Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. I want to extend a great deal of thanks to listener Steve, who provided the impetus for this episode. In my effects strategy episode, I didn't talk about impulse response files at all. Steve noted this and wanted to know where they fit, what they actually are, and why one might choose to use them. It's a tremendous question, so let's go. We're going to start with the four stages of impulse response generation and use. This gives us a high overview of the whole concept. The four phases are generation, recording and analysis, processing, and finally, convolution. An impulse response is created by sending a brief, loud burst of sound through a system, a room, or a device. As musicians, we typically think of this in the context of a speaker and cabinet, but impulse responses are also used in the creation of room simulations and effect simulations. Think of what happens to sound when it's played in a cathedral, or when a signal is pushed through a real plate reverb. We don't always have that real speaker cabinet, or the cathedral, or a plate reverb readily at hand, or we never will, but we want to be able to simulate the effect on the real signal of such entities. An impulse response is recorded and stored in a digital file. To preserve the integrity of the file, these files are not compressed, and a very common storage format is known as WAV or WAVE. WAVE is short for Waveform Audio Format, which was developed by Microsoft in collaboration with IBM. Wave files are typically encoded using the PCM architecture. This stands for Pulse Code Modulation. It's a digital model. PCM supports 8-bit, 16-bit, 24-bit, and 32-bit data structures. Wave files are always larger physically than compressed formats like MP3, MP4, and FLAC. Consequently, while wave files deliver better audio quality, they're rarely used for distributed or streaming audio. The more bits used by the PCM encoder, the larger the file. But this PCM encoded file needs to be converted to something else for playback. In the processing phase, the data from the impulse response file is used to characterize the signal that then describes the effect that is applied to the signal. This can include reflections, room characteristics, frequency response, echoes, and reverberation. The final phase, which we call convolution, is where the real work takes place. Convolution is a mathematical process sequence that applies the information gathered during analysis and applies that to an inbound signal to model the audio environment. Think of this in three steps. We start with our impulse response file, then we apply convolution of that impulse response file directly onto the inbound audio signal to be processed. Plainly, this must occur very rapidly to avoid significant latency. Lastly, the modified signal is fed to the output stage of the IR convolution device. Now that we see what an IR file is and how it's used in audio processing, we should probably ask, well, why do it in the first place? I'm going to do this with an example for illustrative purposes. Let's say you're a bass player. You're working in a limited space and have limited funds, 
but you want your final bass tone to sound like it was coming not from your home or practice amp, but instead as if you had a real vintage old MPEG SVT head and MPEG 8x10 cabinet. If you've never seen one, think refrigerator size. And if you've never heard one, well, I'm really sorry, because they're really incredibly awesome. They're also very heavy, a pain to transport, and to be kind, really loud. So, instead of that, you use an impulse response that was built based on that cabinet fed from that amp. The cabinet would have been recorded using one or more microphones of one or more types with the microphones having one or more placements. Once the IR file has been processed in the convolution step, the sound that comes out through FRFR monitors or the PA or into the digital recording sounds like your bass played through an SVT 8x10 cabinet. That's pretty awesome. In this context, IRs can be recorded for any combination of real amps, real cabinets, real microphones, and real rooms. This means that there can be a great many IRs for an Ampeg 8x10 cabinet, and all of them sound different to some extent, based solely on the amount of work put into the recording of the initial impulse response file. If this sounds like some IRs will be better than others, well, you get it. Now, I do want to interrupt the IR discussion for just a moment to explain that not all amp or cabinet sims are based on impulse response files. Amps typically are not. And for cabinets, a lot of them aren't based on IRs. Such systems use algorithmic approaches with filtering and distortion models. They don't use impulse response files and may, or more likely may not, sound like the real thing. It's my personal experience, your mileage may vary, that algorithmic models of speakers are more prone to sound less like the real thing. However, you should always try different tools to see what you think sounds best. Now that we understand what impulse response files are, let's quickly look at how they're created. The first is called the transient method. In the transient method, a sudden short signal is used, similar to a pistol shot, as an example, it does not fill the entire audio spectrum and therefore produces an impulse response file that has considerably less fidelity. They are, however, very cheap to make and don't have to go through analysis and processing and instead would go straight to the convolution engine. The preferred method, the better method, is called sine wave sweep and deconvolution. This uses an impulse signal that spans the audible range while the response is also measured across the audio, think of frequency spectrum. This is then divided, and this division is what we know as convolution, to determine the reflections and signal across the entire sine wave sweep, and then time and phase aligned to the beginning of the file. Sound more complicated? It is but it produces a much more accurate and therefore a much more viable IR file. The IR file maker must also be very specific in terms of placement of the device being modeled, the room, the microphone or microphones used, their placement, 
and also have predetermined if the IR is to represent a mono signal, a stereo signal, a B format surround signal, or some other delivery model. Making a good IR file is not a trivial exercise, and while individuals may engage to the best of their ability to make their own IRs and offer them as shared resources, before buying any IR, it's important to understand who made it, what was used to make it, that it's fully documented, that it was created using the sine wave sweep and deconvolution model, and that a rigorous process and specific environment was used consistently. Another consideration of the impulse response file is what we call the resolution. There is a perspective that the longer duration, higher resolution impulse response is better. This is highly subjective. The typical necessary resolution for a speaker cabinet is typically no more than 20 milliseconds. You might find a mid-high resolution IR of 40 milliseconds. There are marketed high resolution IRs that have a duration of 100 milliseconds. And of course, you can get ultra high resolution IRs that have a resolution between 170 milliseconds and 200 milliseconds. From a human audibility perspective, these are very short periods of time. Simply put, the longer the resolution, the more the room response is recorded in the file. Celestion is a global leader in speaker manufacture and a significant provider of IR files that provide the sound of the speakers that they make. The company provides excellent guidance on this subject, particularly in the context of sample rates and what equipment Celestion-made IRs will work on directly, or which ones will require some form of conversion. On the subject specifically of sample rates, the default sample rate for most IRs is 44.1 kHz. That's the same sample rate as for compact disc, high-quality digital audio. You may find sample rates of 48 kHz, 88.2 kHz, and 96 kilohertz, but most engineers tend to agree that anything with a sample rate of more than 48 kilohertz, and often anything more than 44.1, is a waste of time and money. Let's move our discussion to determining where to purchase excellent IRs. As an IR is effectively the digital fingerprint of a speaker, or it should be, why not look to the speaker makers for the best IRs? I've used IRs from Celestion in my Line 6 Helix, in my Two Notes Captor X devices, and in my Quad Cortex. Although, do check what the maximum resolution that your device can handle for its convolution process. For example, the Quad Cortex only supports IR files with a maximum of 1024 samples, or about 21 milliseconds duration and you must upload that file to your IR library on the neural website. On the other hand, my Strymon Iridium can handle IR files up to 500 milliseconds in length, and I use the IR manager to load them into the Iridium. Some devices, like my Kemper, require that I convert IRs to the Kemper profile, and they provide a free tool to do this. However, I lack sufficient experience with it to advocate for it one way or the other. We'll end with some providers for you to consider whose IRs that I have bought and have liked enough not to trash can. I've had excellent success with IRs from Ownhammer, 
and Lancaster Audio, and also directly from the speaker makers Celestion and Eminence. The profile provider, called Tone Junkie, also provides pretty darn decent IRs. Tone Junkie, Own Hammer, and Lancaster Audio put their focus on the cab as well as the speaker. While, big surprise, the speaker makers focus on their speakers. Many users have decided to use prepackaged cab sims instead of using IRs, seeing this process is simpler. And indeed, some modelers don't even allow for no cabinets with their amp sims, even though they may say that they do. Now, that could be a flaw in what the UI shows, not naming any F names, but I prefer to see and hear clearly what I'm getting. You should choose the route that suits you best, but if you're going to go the IR route, get the good ones, otherwise you're going to be very frustrated. I hope that you found this episode valuable. Thanks as always for listening. Please leave a comment or send in a question. I do read and respond to all. For the podcast at thatguitarlover.com, I'm Ross Chevalier, and I bid you peace.